In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Kate Painter, who's a franchise owner of Plato's Closet and Once Upon a Child. Kate, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Absolutely, and you have a you have such an interesting background. Um, but you know, I think you're going to do you're going to do it more justice than I will going through it. If you don't mind giving a quick quick snippet of uh, of your trajectory and and how you uh, became such a successful business owner. All right. Yeah. So I was doing the math for this and realized I've, I've gotten old. So I've been in the resale business for 29 years. My mom actually was, was the first owner of our company and she opened her first store in 1993. I was 15 years old and I helped her get the store off the ground. We went to people's houses and purchased product because we're a resale business. And I worked on our stores all the way through high school, college. I took a brief break to be a teacher. I taught second grade for a few years, but um, the business needed me. So I came back to the business and I've been doing it full time since. So looking at 29 years right now in the resale world. <laughs> wow, that's great. A lot, a lot has probably changed or maybe hasn't. I don't know. I'm actually uh, hoping to learn from you. Has, how, much of it, how, how much of the world has changed as far as the customers that buy from you during, the, during this time frame? You know, our customer, I think, has pretty much stayed the same, although I do believe now since sustainability and recycling and taking care of the earth is such a big thing more now than it was 29 years ago, you know, we're seeing a lot more customers because of that. We've just grown and grown and grown. But um, our customer loves loves the hunt. You know, we are we our selection changes every single day. So, um, yeah, our customers have been coming to our stores pretty much for the selection and the value. You currently... Have uh, 23 locations with 600 employees. Is that correct? Yes, we started with one little location in 1992 with about eight employees. We jumped up and down when we had a big day of sales, and now here we are, 23 stores, and yeah, over 600 employees. It's crazy. We've grown and grown. We've kind of grown with our customer. We started with Once Upon a Child, which is the our kids store, and we watched the customer grow, and we didn't want to stop providing great clothes for them. So then we opened up Plato's Closet, which is that for teen and young adults. So, you know, think teens and then college kids. So it's great because we can have a customer. We can see a customer from, you know, newborn all the way up to graduating college. That's awesome. That's awesome. Talk to us about the trajectory. How, how did you go from the first store to the second store and to 23? The great thing is, you know, we are part of a franchise. So Winmark is located in Minneapolis and we just decided let's let's go big here. And we started open we opened our first store, saw that resale was um something that wasn't, you know, there was nothing in Cincinnati at the time, but there was a need for it because you know we were very busy. So we opened up our second location within three months, just about 15 minutes away. And then, you know, we just Kept going to all the different parts of Cincinnati and covered all six territories there. And then we moved up to Dayton, which is just about a half an hour away. So it's kind of one big market now. And we just covered all the, the suburbs and bought every single territory that we could in the Cincinnati and Dayton area. 
And as we did that, we just really had to build our employees and infrastructure and hire people and um, get a solid management team so that we could grow and, and do everything we wanted to do. So we haven't opened a store. Our last store we opened up in 2015. So it's been a few years. We um, grew really fast, you know, in the early 2000s and then took a little bit of break to catch up and build the infrastructure. And I think we're about done. I think 23 stores is as much as we can do here in Cincinnati, Dayton area. Got it. Well, that, that, that's a great story. What, um, as, as you've been kind of maneuvering, growing more stores, you know, getting more of a footprint, what is one of the things that you, you know, kind of learned with what's kind of changed with, I know you said the customer is pretty much the same, but, but have the value drivers changed? Has, has behavior changed at all? Do more people buy online? Do they have more in store? Like what's changed? So the biggest thing that I feel, you know, in our store, and I think any retail store is, is the employees. We've really had to focus on our employees almost, you know, more than our customers. So I think as you grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger, I tell my management team, you know, our customer is our employee. It's hard time right now for retail to find employees that so we're going to treat our employee as if they are our customer. So as I think as businesses grow, I have to make sure that my employees are happy so that they can provide a great experience to my true customer, the customer that's bringing us product and bringing us money. You know, I can't go to all 23 stores. I can't even hit every 20, all 23 stores in one month. So I have to make sure that I'm getting the message out to my, my main managers and that they're happy because if they're not happy, my customers aren't going to be happy. And um, I think in turn, our customers, they love us. They, I call this reverse re retail because our main customer in this business is the person that sells us product. And it's kind of hard for when I hire store managers from a different retail background, they're used to really providing great service to the, the shopping customer, which of course is important to our business. But we need that product coming in our door from you know all the different moms and dads and kids in our community. So we really spend a lot of time on that customer. We call that the seller in our business. And that's something that I think over the years, we've kind of had to change our attitude about. We just crunched some numbers and realized how important the seller is to our business. Because if we don't have the product, we don't have anything to sell to our to our shoppers. So what do you feel, uh, Kate, like, uh, you know, as you got in now, you know, of course, you know, we all last, what was it, last March, went into, went into COVID days, pandemic days. And, you know, as we went into it, I think everyone didn't think it would, it would last as long as it did. But what what changes did you have to make the business to be able to kind of sustain things and, and keep things going during during the COVID days? Yeah, that was a very scary time. So March 20th of 2020, we closed our stores and laid off, furloughed about 600 employees. It was scary. We kept our management team, our 23 store managers, our three district managers, and then just one office person. And what we did during that time, during that eight-week closure, is we kept in touch with our employees because we needed them and we needed them to stay connected. We sent out weekly newsletters to our employees. We did a lot just to make them still feel like part of a team because it was unknown to all of us. When are we going to open back up? And we'd have to just call them back in a second. We had no idea what was going to happen. So we did that. And during the closure, we also moved to an online platform for our business because there were still kids growing in the community and they needed clothes. And it was really hard for, for parents to get out of the house to, to get their kids what they needed. So we went, moved our stores to an online platform. Um, we used a lot of social media and then we used um, just an online Shopify site to, to sell product through, our, through the internet, which was great. We did all that in like, I don't know, 10 days. We set up PayPal accounts, got all the stores products loaded, as much product as we could. We rolled like that for eight weeks and it was 
it was neat. And I kept telling my managers, you know, this is, yes, it's scary times right now, but look, we're learning something new and how exciting to learn something new and to, to change the business to online, which we never thought we would do, but we did it. So that was what we did during the eight weeks. When we opened back up on May 12th, we were busy, busy, busy. I mean, I think last June we had record sales just because of the, the demand, you know, parents needed spring and summer clothes for their kids. But the big thing that we've noticed still, you know, 12 months later is we're down in customers. I think a lot of a lot of companies, retail seeing that. But so our customers coming out less, you know, they're, they're making fewer trips, but they're spending more money during their trips. So our sales are actually up because instead of the customer spending $30 a trip, they're spending $40 a trip. So what we think is that the mom is just, you know, making fewer trips, but spending more money during those trips. Is that the current state as well, or you feel like things yes. are? Okay. I mean, it's it's getting it's getting better. Our customers were down about twenty five percent. It's down, you know, we're down about ten percent right now, which isn't bad. But our sales are up just because the average sale, the average ticket, is much higher. And I know, I you know, I'm a mom of a six year old and four year old. I personally make fewer trips, especially with online schooling. But when I get out, you know, I go big. I, I just stock up on whatever I can get. <laughs> But I definitely see that. I see it changing. I do see the trend the trends slowly going back to normal, normal where more people are getting out. Just this past March, you know, just last month, over half of our stores set sales records ever, the highest sales ever in one month. So I think, I think things are slowly getting back to normal, which is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, did you have to make uh, any sort of changes in your store locations during this time? Yeah, we did, you know, put up the barriers. So all the, you know, the COVID-19 best practices for, um, you know, running a business and occupancy, we're still only at 50% occupancy as far as customers are in our store. So these were like the physical changes we had to make to keep our employees safe, make the customer feel safe. Of course, we're still under a mask mandate. But besides that, our store, you know, I wanted to keep things as normal as possible. There was so much uncertainty in the war world, and I use the word ickiness. Like, I just felt icky last year. Everywhere I went felt odd to me. So my goal was to keep things normal. I wanted our staff to feel like things were normal because, again, everything was so scary around us. And I wanted our customers to feel like, okay, this is the same store I've been shopping at for, you know, 10 years or whatever. So we did things, you know, to make make customers feel at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel like coming out, like as people start to shop more, things open up, hopefully we get to 100% capacity here soon. Do you feel like there's any more changes that you have to make or is it really just, you know, going back to the the same normal that you kind of had before? Yeah. So we, you know, we did keep our online sites going for a little while, but we really saw that our customer wanted to come into our store, into our brick and mortar store. We are one of those, those retail stores where, it's like a hunt because our, our product's changing every minute. We have customers bringing us new product every single minute that we buy in right there. We put a tag on it. We put it straight to our sales floor. So I've really seen, you know, we actually got rid of our online site at our Plato's Closet stores because we just didn't need it. The customer wanted to come back into our store. Once Upon a Child, our, our kids store, we still do a lot of Facebook Lives and things where we kind of are selling online. But it makes me happy that the customers want to come inside our store and shop. So I don't think, you know, there's anything that, that we did during COVID that's going to be with us forever, which I think is actually probably a good thing. Of course, we learned a lot from it and we became flexible and did some new stuff, but we're just going back to, to our model. Our, our business model works, which is great. 
We'll always offer, you know, curbside options. And I think that was, you know, actually a change that will stay forever because, you know, moms have kids and it's sometimes hard to, if you have a sleeping child that falls asleep on the way to the, to one of our stores, of course, we want to come outside and grab what you're, you want to sell to us. So maybe that is one thing that will stick around, which, you know, is, I think a lot of businesses did curbside, which, which is great. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, though, in the sense of I think a lot of the folks that I'm I'm talking to, a lot of customers, a lot of a lot of merchants, a lot of you know companies, they're they're starting to see the same thing. They're seeing although people are still transacting at ports online, some of these technologies like curbside and the like are have grown in popularity, and will probably some version of them will remain. I think what is interesting is that most folks are reporting that people are coming back in their store locations. They're starting to really see people come back and interact with the the stores. Most people want to go, you know, feel the product, see the product, if you will, and really have that interaction in location. So I think what you're saying, I'm, I'm seeing as well across the board, which is which is great to see people getting back in there. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big difference with our type of business, retail business, is that there's a reason for the customer to come to our store besides just to buy stuff. They want cash on the spot. So last year, they were at home during those eight weeks or however long, however long it was, and they were cleaning out, you know, cleaning out their kids' stuff or, you know, their, whatever. And we pay cash on the spot. So we have a big reason for customers to want to walk into our store. And that's because we're going to pay them cash. So I think that's, that's also been very helpful to our business to get our sellers back in the door because they know they can get cash. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you've been growing uh, your, your store locations and seeing more and more customers, What's the primary reason for for growth of of the secondary clothing market, you think, over the last past few years? You know, like I said, value and selection are pretty much the two reasons, the two main reasons our customers come into our store. But I think that over the past few years, the sustainability has been really important to us and to, to the younger customer. And now, you know, I'm a mom, but I'm an old mom. You know, a mom now is 20 and 30 years old and they're from that generation where they fo- focus more on, on Mother Earth, which is wonderful. So recycling's cool. Um, thrifting's cool. We recycled, I think, I can't remember the number, but I would say it was 4 million pieces of used product last year in our stores. That's something we're super proud of. And our customers and our employees feel like they're making a difference when they shop at our stores. And I think that's really helping, you know, even, even you know, Goodwill and St. Vincent de Paul, all the places where donations are accepted or, you know, stores like us where you get cash, they're seeing huge increases in in incoming inventory, which is great. So I think just the sustainability part of the business has been a big reason for growth. Are there like customer trends technologies for the industry itself that you that you know and, and would like to share? Yeah, we I mean we have a texting program that's been that's pretty pretty new. You know, we have the online store, but I'd say with our business I think probably the texting, because again, our customer service is really focused on the person selling to us. And that process can be really, um, can be very inconvenient if you walk into one of our stores and there's a, you know, a 10 hour wait to get your items processed. So we um, have been using a different, another system that kind of complements our computer system, our POS, that um, shows us the buy time, shows the customers the buy time, how long it will be till their items are processed. And that technology is, I think, really made the selling experience better. Makes the customer, the seller feel like they're more in charge of their selling experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're the owner of multiple really resale-related franchises. What changes do you have to implement to really cope with 
Is there anything that cha- changes in like you taking in product or like that process for employees as you take in product? Not really. I mean, of course, like I said, we just, we now use a computerized system to tag the customer's inventory, which I do think makes the customer feel a little bit more confident in the process versus handwritten items. We use a a screen that tells the customer how long the wait is. Um, Again, it makes them just feel more involved in the process because it can be a scary process, intimidating process, selling your stuff. You're bringing in your children's adorable clothes that you saw them wear, you know, from a baby to, you know, kindergarten. And there's a lot of feelings involved with that, parting ways with those special precious clothes. So we really try hard to make that that selling experience positive. And, you know, it really comes down to, of course, it's, it's important that the confidence is there with the seller that they see that we're treating their things well, but it really comes down to our employees and just the conversation they're having with the seller about the great things they're bringing into us. So you know, for us, it's just finding employees that, you know, work in our community and um, are involved in the community, care about kids stuff. And we just, we really spend a lot of our time focused on the employee so that they give our, our sellers a great experience in the store. It's a hard job going through people's clothes. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And, and I think you nailed it in the sense of part of your secret to success is really your, your employees, right? And, and that, you know, what, what we saw is kind of high, high retention rates. Are really notable. How do, how do you keep your, your team so loyal and engaged? We show appreciation. It comes down to that one word. And I always tell my managers, I say, you know, employees don't leave companies. They leave managers. And I really, really believe that. Retail's hard. Um, I'm sure you've talked to, you know, lots of retailers out there. It's a hard, hard job. And um, we thank our employees because they could choose, you know, to work for another retailer. But I really think that... Um, with the hourly employee, appreciation matters so much to them. And I, I, I know this because we do exit interviews with employees that decide to go different places. And rarely do they talk about pay. It's something about the work experience is the reason they left. So we do exit interviews every two weeks. We discuss them with our management team. We um, do very small things like send birthday cards with a gift card to a fast food restaurant. But I just think those little appreciation nuggets really add up. We we also track it. I mean, anything that you want to, anything you want to look at and manage, you have to track. So we track retention every month. Talk about it. Our store managers are held accountable. I hold myself accountable. But I just think it comes down to showing appreciation. It makes the employee want to come to work. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially if you go have to go through you know, like a furlough type situation, uh, you keep employees loyal to you. That means that you're doing something right in, in the sense of, you know, showing that, that appreciation. They don't want to go work anywhere else, right? Exactly. Exactly. Kate, what about technologies? What, have you thought about any new technologies that you want to integrate into the store locations uh, to make things more seamless, more operationally sound uh, over the years? Or do you feel like you have a good flow? Well, so a lot of that, you know, since we are a part of a franchise, we rely on a lot of that from our franchisor. But one thing that I'm pushing for right now is an app. Everyone has an app. <laughs> so <laughs> I think an app would really help help our stores, especially staying connected to, to the younger customer. I mean, they're, everyone's tied to their phones these days. So I go to an app for almost everything these days. So I think an app would be a cool thing that we're kind of we're kind of working on because since we don't sell, you know, there's not... We don't sell online because our inventory changes all the time. We did, you know, special things during COVID. Our app wouldn't be for selling, uh, or I'm sorry, for, you know, for buying or us selling and the customer buying from us. So just kind of trying to th- 
think through what the app would look like, how it would benefit our customers, both the sellers and the shoppers. Makes sense. Makes sense. One of the questions that we get from a lot of um, a lot of entrepreneurs as they're trying to grow from one sort of two to five to ten is, you know, how do you know it's the right time to, to grow to that next location? Do you have any advice for those uh, entrepreneurs that are thinking through opening up more locations? Yeah, I think that, you know, you know your market. Typically, you know your market. And if you're in a franchise situation, the franchisor helps you with that. So, you know, my biggest advice when people do grow is, you know, I tell them to follow the model. Follow the model that you've that's always worked for you. I think sometimes we try to change things or put put, you know, these unreasonable demands on customers. It's like just stick to the business model that you have when you grow and then build a team. Cause you know, we we know anyone that's running a brick and mortar knows that it comes down to your employees and having a team there to to grow with you. Because you know, when once you start growing, it's a lot to keep up with and you just need to make sure you have the team. So we always start with the foundation, which is our team. Start there. We make sure we hire someone, a manager, when we open up another location and the manager learns every single thing with us so that they're ready to take on that store when it's time to open. That's great. That's, that's awesome. What do you, uh, any, anything that I forgot to ask, Kate, that you think is a good advice for, for brick and mortar operators uh, to think through as they're opening up more locations or maneuvering and hopefully the end of end of the pandemic as we get into a new normal. Yeah, I think, you know, what I've learned over the past 12 months is is how important employees are to our business. And I think, you know, most retailers would say the same thing. It's it's hard to find employees right now. And I think just really spending your time and your resources on your employee, I spend probably 75% of my time. I'm running 23 stores, millions and millions and millions of dollars in sales a year, but I spend most of my time on my employees. Because again, that's that's the foundation of of any business, especially retail. You have to have those great employees right there in the front line serving your customers. So, you know, we're really just I think we learned definitely during COVID when all our our employees came back how important that employee interaction is and letting them know they're appreciated. Absolutely great advice and thank you so much for that wealth of uh, advice and guidance and expertise uh, for our listeners. Before I let you go, as travel opens up again, what would you recommend people do if they visited the, the Cincinnati area? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. We have a wonderful zoo. Cincinnati Zoo is beautiful. Um, and go to the Cincinnati Reds game. It's right there on the river. It's great. Great experience. We are, I think, going up to 50% capacity at our stadium. Um, it's a beautiful view because you're right there on the Ohio River. So go Reds. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that, that's one of my bucket lists. So for sure, when I visit... Definitely want to want, want to visit the game. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time uh, out today. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this and and appreciate you you sharing your guidance and expertise. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bobby. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in the show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.